Hi friends, this is Bethany Jennings, and today I will be answering the questions that you asked me on Instagram. Hi friends, this is Bethany Jennings, and you're listening to We Should Talk. It's a podcast where we talk about anything and everything to encourage, equip, and empower you to be a decent human. Let's talk. Okay, so as I mentioned before, today uh, will be our first time doing You Ask, I Answer, where um, I posted uh, the link for you to ask me whatever you want to ask me anonymously. Um, I have not opened these before now, so you will be getting my actual factual first reaction. So let's see how this goes down. All right, here we go with question number one. Tell me a funny joke. Okay, um... What do you call a cow laying down? Ground beef. You're welcome. Next. What's your favorite sport? Uh, well, I don't, I'm not like a huge sports fan. Um, I enjoy watching basketball, like, with, like, friends that play it. I know nothing about teams, and the names of the basketball players are consistently getting more and more weird, so... I can't keep up with those either. And people get all into football, like making straight up gods out of football players. Like, don't care. You can hurt people. You can misuse other humans. And that's totally fine so long as you're getting me points on my fantasy team. So, I don't know. I'm not really that into sports. Um, But if it's like someone I know, like, you know, pickup game of uh, whatever, I, I, um, I enjoy watching that. I do get a little too into it, though. So, a lot of times, like, especially if we're like, if David and I are at a camp working at a youth camp or something and it's like team versus team and I know someone on one of the teams the team I'm rooting for um they get lots of cheers if I'm watching and so (laughs) I have to watch myself I don't want to literally waste my voice on uh screaming for a team and sometimes honestly I can get a bad attitude about it so I don't get into it that much uh your best advice for young related this is the third one uh your best advice for young relationships. Um, I'm assuming you mean romantic relationships. I don't know if you mean young as in um, like they just got started or the people in the relationships are young. Um, But this is what I would say. You need to set your boundaries before you want to cross lines, period. That doesn't necessarily just mean um, uh, sexual lines, not like just that. I mean, obviously that as well. But you need to know what your personal boundaries are in any relationship, romantic, platonic, familial, whatever. You need to know what your boundaries are before you have to enforce a boundary, right? Um, And in doing so, in setting that boundary before you want to cross the line, you need to be accountable to someone. Um, As far as accountability goes, it is not your accountability partner's job to hunt you down. It is your job to check in with them. Um, I've had people in the past who are like, I want you to be my accountability person. I want you know, I want you to be able to ask me anything. I want to be able to check in with you and tell you anything. I'm like, sure, absolutely. As long as your parents, your pastor's cool with it, cool. Let's do it. Um, and then they never get up with me. So, <laughs> so I'm not a – they're not – accountability people, your accountability partner is not supposed to be a bounty hunter. I can't, we can't hunt you down. You know, 
So that's what I would say for young relationships. Um, set boundaries before you want to cross lines. One, two, have an accountability person that you're actually accountable to. And three, have a life. Don't let someone else define who you are. You should have a life before you get in a relationship. Next question. Would you be willing to share yours and Brother Jennings' love story? <laughs> I will give you the summary, the Cliff Notes version. Um, we met in 2010, and I was doing music. Dad, there was supposed to be somebody else preaching the camp, and Dad ended up preaching the camp. Um, and so I went with him. It was a Texas camp. So I went with him and I, um, you know, backed him up on the organ while he was preaching and I did altar calls for, uh, him. So while we were there, um, one of our friends introduced us that in and of itself was a very funny story, but one of our friends introduced us. Um, and when Taylor or Taylor fish, he's a, worldwide international evangelist at this point. Him and his family are amazing. Absolutely love Cindy. Takes a Cindy to marry a fish. Love, love, love that family. I'll tell you that story some other time. Maybe we should just do like a whole separate <laughs> episode of mine and David's love story. Um, but we, Fish introduced us and uh, from there we ended up doing some uh, music together. I was um, helping to organize the Texas HYC music in 2011. And so I invited David and one of his uh, friends, his name's Fatu Amua. Um, love that guy. Um, we did some music together. And so from there, we ended up doing some camps together and we ended up doing some, a couple of other events together. Um, and so we just got to know each other. And initially, David was not a fan of me at all. Like, like well, he like he he liked my voice. He heard me singing, right? That's all he really knew of me was singing and playing. So he was like, he really liked my voice, and he liked you know what I was doing at the camp. But um, there was a little run in at the talent show portion. <laughs> Again, it's a long story. We'll have to you know what? Let's just do a whole separate episode with this one. But he did not like me at first because he thought I was being a snot, and I wasn't being a snot. But he thought I was being a snot, and then. Um, we did some stuff, like some different events together. Um, he ended up asking for my number in a van full of guys. The event, I find myself as a singer musician, I did find myself and sometimes I still do. Um, sometimes the only female in the room, um, just because, you know, the, the nature of what I do and the fact that I do get to travel with my husband more than most wives do, you know, we travel together. And so um, we were in a van full of guys, and he said, hey, can I get your jersey? <laughs> and I was like, I don't exactly know what you're talking about because I'm not wearing a jersey. I said, I don't even have a jersey. And he was like, what's on a jersey? I said, a name and a number. Oh, my word, yes, you can. <laughs> I said, yes, you can have my number. And so I told Fish, who was also there, I said, Fish, give him my number, please, because <laughs> I was having to run into the church and take care of something. So that's how David got my number. So we started texting back and forth, and we were friends. We were really, really, really good friends. Like, I know people say, well, we were just friends first. We legitimately were good friends. And um, we worked through some issues together. 
you know, some stuff that he was facing and having to deal with. Um, and we developed a friendship. And then his mom passed um, uh, in August, somewhere in there, one of those years. And my, at that time, it was called college and career, but our, our hyphen directors at that point drove me overnight to get to him, to be with him. Um, before they took his mother off of life support. And so I got to be there. And I do mean I got to. It was a privilege to be there for him uh, in that time. And I didn't know it at the time, but he told me later that while he was talking to his mom, he apologized to her for not being able to introduce her to his future wife, which would be me. And so he wanted to introduce her to me, me to her. I had met her a couple of times before, but it was just during that just friends phase, you know, and um, the talking phase is what we call it. I don't know what y'all call it now. Y'all got a whole different set of rules. But um, at that point, we weren't even dating, but he knew then that he wanted to marry me. Um, so anyways, our relationship started developing a little bit more then, and then... Um, some more life stuff came up, and so we had to kind of back off and work through some stuff. He ended up working at a home missions church for a year. It was a whole thing. And then he ended up coming here to Silsby some years later. And so this whole time, you know, we're talking back and forth, and we officially started dating June 9th of 2013. That was when we were officially dating and so, yeah, and then we got engaged in September of 2016. We got married in January of 2017. We've been married for a while now, and we got a kid, and we love him. So that's the short story of our our uh, love story, and it's ongoing. I find new reasons to love him all the time, and I hope he feels the same way about me, but I don't know. We'll have to ask him. Maybe we, we should just have him on for that episode. Maybe. Is that something I want to hear? Like the whole love story? Because there's a bunch of details I'm leaving out. Anyways, I am willing to share it. I'm just not sure if there's room for it on this specific podcast. All right. Next question. This specific episode, I should say. Next question. What is your biggest pet peeve when it comes to church musicians? Um, My biggest pet peeve Um. I can do like a, like a little pet peeve. I hate it when they don't share knowledge. Like you are not the owner of the knowledge. What you have is God given and uh, time taught. You put the work in for it. But why would you not freely share that? I think it's so stupid when they won't share chords and they won't share runs and they won't share. Like that's so stupid. This is This is a personal philosophy which at this point is an absolute fact. Nobody is cool enough to be rude. Nobody is cool. And I have met a lot of really, really cool, awesome, rockin' awesome, fabulous people, and they're not rude. Nobody is cool enough to be rude. The minute you're rude, you're no longer cool. So there's that. So that's a pet peeve of mine. When, like, they're rude to people and they won't share the knowledge that they have. Like, are you in this for yourself? Or are you in this for the kingdom? The other thing that annoys the fire out of me is when you are invited to an event and you don't actually participate in the event. Like you show up and you play, but you're not in the service 
actively participating with those kids or with the attendants of the event. Because this is what I know. When you are on that platform, you are a quote-unquote celebrity to people. But in being a celebrity, you have the responsibility to be a servant to those people. And so serving them means serving God, which means you need to be a role model for them. And unfortunately, sometimes our very worst behavior gives them a license to have that be their best behavior. And so it frustrates me to no end when musicians aren't even in the service. They're not participating in the preaching. They're not participating in the worship when they're not the ones on the on the platform. Um, it's, it's annoying. It is self-serving and it, it, they're going to go to hell. All right. Yeah. That's what annoys me about church musicians. Sometimes if you're not that way, I love you, love you, love you. Thank you. Next question. How do you know which people in your life are toxic? Okay. Practically speaking, when something is toxic, meaning like poisonous to your body, um, your body has a reaction to that and you know, some may right. Yeah. Same thing when someone is toxic in, in a relationship, when you are, sometimes you do have adverse physical reactions. Like when you have anxiety, having to talk to that person about difficult topics, that's not, that's not okay. Um, when that person is more than willing to take your time, but doesn't give you time. When that person is more than willing to use you, but doesn't contribute to you. When that person is uh, demanding without giving, that's toxic. Anytime you feel more drained after being with that person than you do rejuvenated for the fellowship you have with that person, they're toxic. Next question. Getting into and handling ministry as newlyweds. That's the question. Oh, like, how do you get into that ministry? How do you handle? Oh, um, well, um, I think one of the biggest things you can do as a newlyweds ministry coordinator. Oh, hold on a sec. Back up, back up. Getting into and handling ministry as newlyweds. Like, you're newlywed. Okay. I'm, I'm not really sure what they're asking here. Um. You are newlyweds and you're getting into ministry and handling. Okay. Um, here's the thing. One does not serve the other. You serve each other, period. Whether that's ministry, in the home, whatever. You serve each other. And while, yes, the wife is to be submitted, the husband also has a responsibility in that. You need to read the rest of that scripture. People are real quick to say, "Why well, submit yourself to your husband. This is correct. Uh, but there's also another portion of that scripture that puts some responsibility on the husbands that we oftentimes skip over. Because usually it's a male reading it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. If you're a good guy out there, we love you, love you, love you. Um, so getting into and handling ministry when you're a newlywed, um, you serve each other. And in serving each other, you ultimately serve the kingdom. And um, you are there to help each other. You should be each other's confidant. You should be each other's biggest support system, uh, each other's biggest cheerleader. But you also need to be each other's biggest real talk. <laughs> like you need to be willing to let your spouse call you on things because they know you better than anybody else does. At least they should um, know you better than anybody else does. And so you need to be willing and available to have tough conversations uh, with each other about each other. Uh, so that's what I say. And always make time for each other. I will say David and I, uh, 
we do so much ministry together that I think in our brains we're like, oh, yeah, we're together. But that's not, that's not always us being together. David and I are not the best examples of that. I will be straight up. We are not the best examples of taking time for each other. We've not had a vacation since our honeymoon. So uh, we're, uh, we're working on being better humans. Your celeb crush, that's the next question. Uh, my celebrity crush is David Jennings. Next, uh, how do we overcome past hurts? Tips on being comfortable to sing solos in front of people. Wow, that's okay. That's a double whammy. How do you overcome past hurts? Healing is a process. You need to be open about it so that the wound can be cleaned out. And as the healing happens, um, you will find that it starts hurting a little bit more every now and then. And that's because it needs to be cleaned out again. How do you clean that out? Once you've apologized to the person, don't keep rehashing it. If you're over it, you're over it, right? If you already apologized, you've apologized. But you can take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord in prayer, right? That's the that's a real thing. You should do that. Um, when you have a wound that scabs over without really being healed internally, that's how infection sets up. And that's how things die from infection. So clean it out. Clean it out. Apologize to the person. Make sure you're clear with them. Go to the Lord. Make sure that you're clear with him. And uh, when it hurts, that means it's time to pray about it again. Tips on being comfortable to sing solos in front of people. Uh, Sing solos when you're not in front of people. That's how. Sing it in your personal worship time and understand that when you are singing, uh, I'm assuming you are talking about in a worship setting, uh, you are singing to God and people just happen to be there. That's what I do anyways. Um, Have you ever had any surgery? Uh, Yes. I had... That's a very random question. (laughs) Yes, I've had surgery. Um, I had a tumor removed from my neck. That's why I have a scar on my neck. I always, like, I'm just, I've always had it in my brain, so I don't really think of people noticing it. But people do notice it, and every now and then people get brave enough to ask me, what's that scar on your neck? Um, (laughs) I've got a funny story about David with that one, too, but I won't tell you. Um, I'll say it for another time. I had a tumor removed from my neck. That's why I have a scar. Uh, I have had um, an IVC filter put in. Uh, basically, like IVC, is that what it's called, IVC filter? Anyways, it's supposed to stop blood clots from getting to your heart, lungs, brain, uh, because I was in a wheelchair for three months after having a wreck that almost killed me. Maybe, you know, maybe there are things that I should be telling you guys. Anyways. Um, I had a wreck with this one time and it put me in a wheelchair, broke multiple bones, broke, uh, like three ribs, messed, uh, broke my leg, messed up my ankle, um, pulled some of my hair out, sliced my face open. It was a whole thing. Uh, so I didn't have to have surgery for the wreck, but I did have to have surgery because I was in a wheelchair. Um, and they put an IVC filter in and out and have I had any other surgeries? I, I did have my gallbladder removed. That happened. So Yeah. Oh, and I did have uh, surgery to become a healthy mom. I did do that. Next question. I am aware of a church whose pastor and leadership has hidden some serious sexual and non-sexual crimes that were committed in their church, and those people are still in the ministry to this day. Am I wrong for not saying anything? Okay. I'm going to read that again. I'm aware of a church whose pastor and leadership has 
hidden some serious sexual and non-sexual crimes that were committed in their church, and those people are still in ministry to this day. Am I wrong for not saying anything? It is your responsibility legally. Um, it is your responsibility ethically, um, morally, really, to report sexual crimes uh, to the authorities. Now, those authorities are the actual legal authorities. Yes, you are legally responsible for reporting that. And in the state of Texas, you are. I'm assuming you are in other states. I don't know where you're from, whoever sent me this. The state of Texas, you are legally required to do that. You're legally required to report abuse, uh, any kind of abuse, report crime, especially sexual crime and sexual abuse. Um, do the actual authorities, uh, the police, the you know, legal authorities, but also report it to spiritual authority as well. Um, I'm assuming that pastor has some kind of spiritual authority, be that in, you know, whatever organization they may serve in. And if they are not a part of an organization, if they're an independent minister, they should at least have someone that they go to for counsel. You could go to that person and let them know um, what you know. But yes, you do need to say something um, legally, morally, ethically. You should let someone know. Next question. I really like you. Well, that's not a question, but I'll take it. I'm not sure who you are, but I'm glad you like me. Not everybody does. I don't know. Everybody's got a right to be wrong. Next. Next question. When dealing with a mental disorder such as uh, BPD, uh, how do you manage to show your kids consistency in all aspects while you're on a chemical roller coaster that medication can't seem to manage? Wow. What a question. Um, BPD, by the way, I'm assuming this person means bipolar disorder, uh, but BPD means borderline personality disorder. Bipolar is one word. Um, so a lot of people do that, though. They, they say BPD for bipolar disorder. Anyways, borderline personality disorder is uh, BPD. But how do you manage to show your kids consistency in all aspects? Here's what I know about kids. They know when something's up. They may not be able to communicate it, but they can feel it. And so they will communicate it, maybe not verbally, but you can, you, you find that they are a little more clingy, a little more needy. Um, don't want to go to other people as much, you know, um, chemical and medications can't seem to manage. Um, I think it's very important that medications are managed properly on your end. You know, when you are taking medications, you need to manage those. But also when um, the uh, medical professionals, mental health professionals are trying to get it figured out, sometimes there is a lapse in effectiveness or consistency with those meds and what works for you and your body because <clears throat> every everybody's body and physical makeup is different and processes medications in different ways. So as far as your kids go, make sure they have meals. Make sure they have a, a certain amount of time with you every day and just consistently love them. So if you feel um, a low coming, um, and if you have any experience or understanding of bipolar disorder, you, you understand um, the highs and the lows, what that terminology means. If you feel low coming, you know you're kind of able to track them for the most part. Um, make some meals up in advance. 
um, that you can just very quickly put in the microwave or something. And um, that way it, it's less work for you to do that uh, when you do not have the mental and physical energy to do it so that they are consistently fed. Um, whether you feel like it or not, whether that means them climbing in the bed with you or not, or you staying on the couch with them or not, whatever, make sure that your kids consistently have time with you every day. Um, that, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you spend all day, every day with them. If you are, physically can't that day, um, obviously make sure they're taken care of. Of course, make sure they're taken care of that they have a, a care provider, but make sure that you're spending time with them, 30 minutes a day with them, anything. Just make sure they consistently have time with you. And making sure they feel loved um, is very important. It's kind of a, more of an abstract concept. <laughs> but feed them, be, spend time with them, and love them. Uh, there is no specific textbook answer to that. But um, if you want to get more into that, feel free to message me. And we'll see what we can't work out. This has been the first time we have done a question and answer. You ask, I answer. Next time it may be I ask and I share the answers that were given to me. We will see what happens. But I'd like to thank everyone who participated, whoever you are, you anonymous little humans. And thank you guys for sticking around for this whole episode. Uh, I'm recording today in studio, but apparently there's a, a lot going on outside. <laughs> So uh, you may have gotten to experience some of that noise. Thanks for sticking around and thank you guys for being awesome. Well, that was fun. Uh, I'm glad you stuck around for the whole thing. And thank you for talking to me today. Y'all go like and follow and review and do all the podcast things that people do. And um Don't forget to be a good human.